Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we start the show, I would like to just mention that we're getting a lot of great feedback on last week's episode. Steve and Jesse wrote in to let me know that the Tesla mobile charger has two options. You can you can plug it into a standard 110 outlet when which you get like 3 to 4 miles of range, but you can also plug it in to anything above a 280 excuse me 208 volt outlet and you can turn that into a level 2 charger which I didn't know this was the case but that is awesome um, just another reason why Tesla should, <laughs> Tesla should continue to include it with their vehicles and uh, not charge you $200 for it but anyway that's neither here nor there the point is is that you have options with the Tesla mobile charger and that is awesome now, having said that, I really don't, I really don't know if I said anything that has to do with a, uh, the Tesla mobile charger or level one charging in this episode because I recorded it, uh, a week ago now. So by the time you're hearing this, it'll be two weeks ago and I've already edited it and I don't remember 100% what's in it. So if I do mention the level one charger or the Tesla mobile charger and I call it a level one charger, I was wrong, and this is that correction. So, just so you know. And if you want more information after you listen to this episode, of course, if you want more information on charging or a different perspective, I should say, there is an upcoming episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond that you might be interested in. So, go subscribe to Chit Chat Across the Pond with Allison Sheridan. I won't say more because I don't know if I was allowed to say anything or not. But yeah, go listen, go subscribe, and let's start the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And man, it's been a week already. Honestly, it it feels like I just finished recording the last episode, went and changed the cat's litter box, and then came back in here to record another episode. It is insane how fast time flies. So let's jump into it before before another week passes by and my vacation's over, which you know at that point I'm going to be very sad. Last week, we kind of touched on the different levels of charging and 
the different connectors for the end of the charging cable. Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, electrical outlets and stuff like that. Last episode was all building towards this episode, which is going to be very meaty. So let's jump in. Let's pretend you've picked out your car and you're ready to buy a charger. What do you need to know? Well, first of all, when you buy a charger, there are a lot of cheap chargers that you can get on Amazon. You want to make sure whatever you buy is going to be safety certified. In the United States, we have underwriter laboratories or the UL to ensure that the product has been tested and is safe. It costs several thousand dollars or tens of thousands, excuse me, dollars for this testing to take place. But when you consider that there is a tremendous amount of electricity flowing through the box that's hanging on your wall and connected to your car from a fire standpoint alone, you want to make sure that this has been tested and safe. Cheaper is not always cheaper. So now that we've said that and we've got that out of the way, from here on out, when I talk about uh, installing a charger. I'm talking about installing a level two charger, unless I say different. And then in that case, I'm talking about the level one charger or whatever I'm talking about at that moment. But I, I just want to be clear so there's no confusion. We're talking about level two chargers now. So you've got your vehicle and you're ready to get your charger installed. You have to pick a place where you want to install it. So we're going to pretend that you have a fairly decent sized three car garage. Like, you know, in the, in the two car spot, you have both your vehicles. And in the third uh, spot, you have all of your like woodworking equipment or whatever you do. Um, so the car is not going to go there, but you have a perfect spot in the corner. Maybe you even have a 240 outlet sitting there or 220 outlet sitting there ready to go. It's perfect. Well, you're going to want to make sure the cord that comes with that charger is long enough to reach your car. Now, a lot of these are are very long, like the Grizzly chargers. They have a 24-foot cable. The Juice Box has a 25-foot cord. I should say cord instead of cable. And the uh, Charge Point has a 23-foot cord. But you might find that some of these chargers have a 16 and 20-foot cord, which could be an issue. So that's that's something that I wasn't necessarily thinking about uh, because where I would install my charger would be plenty in my garage. But if you have a bigger garage, that is something you need to be concerned with. Or if you're mounting it outside, you want to make sure that you're able to reach pretty much anywhere you potentially would park, right? Um, depending on where you live and depending on how many people in your household uh, drive, you may be parking your vehicle in different spots around your driveway. So you want to make sure that that cord is going to reach your EV. The next thing to think about is, are you mounting the charger inside or outside? If it's inside a garage, you're golden. You really don't have to worry about this next section. But if you're going to be mounting outside, it's, that includes a carport or any covered area, then you need to listen up. Um, and especially if you live in an area where there's a lot of snow and rain, this is going to be really important. The National Electrical Manufacturers Association, or NEMA, has ratings for enclosures um, of electrical equipment. In this case, they're going to be the chargers and what level of protection they give. NEMA ratings for enclosures range from 1 to 13. We're going to talk about NEMA 3 and NEMA 4 just for this example, because that, as far as I know, that's the only 
um, rating the chargers come in. There's different variants of each, and we'll talk about that a little bit, just so um, everybody's versed in NEMA 3 and NEMA 4. If your charger is rated NEMA 3, it's going to be fine indoors because, you know, it's it's a tougher enclosure. So obviously it'll be fine indoors. But really the outside and the weather that you have outside is going to be dependent on whether you want to go with NEMA 3 or number 4. NEMA 4, excuse me. NEMA 3 gives you protection against the ingress of water or dust. It protects against, you know, like windblown dust, rain, sleet, snow. There's a gasket that kind of keeps all that stuff out of there. It will not be damaged by ice forming on the enclosure. So if you live in a colder climate, this is a good thing. These enclosures are typically found at construction sites, ship docks and tunnels and subways and that kind of thing. And they're not always chargers. They, they could be any electrical enclosure. You have the NEMA 3R, which is the same as the NEMA 3, except for it does not protect against blowing dust, which I don't know why you would have. I don't know why you'd have that, but I'm sure there's a reason. Uh, NEMA 3S is all the same ratings as the NEMA 3, but has the added advantage when there's ice built up on the enclosure, you're still able to operate the door and the latches and things like that. So, you know, that's good if you live in a cold climate and you need to get into these things. Uh, the NEMA 3X, 3RX, and 3SX are the same protection as the NEMA 3, but really it's they're protecting against corrosion. On that. Now we're going to talk about NEMA 4. NEMA 4 rating is the same as the NEMA 3, but it adds uh, protection against direct water. So it, it, the way it's worded is hose directed water. So the testing for NEMA 4 consists of spraying the enclosure with water at 65 gallons per minute with a one inch hose. So this is a lot of water. This is not something that you're your, your, your garden hose is going to give you as a general rule. I'm can't say that for everybody, but as a general rule, your garden hose isn't going to get you 50, 65 gallons a minute. Um, you can actually put out a pretty decent trash fire with 65 gallons a minute. This is a whole lot more water than what is included in the NEMA three test, which is, you know, water spray, like not a deluge of water, just like a spray of water at five PSI. So not very big difference in testing. So if you work in a place or you live in a place that is wet and it's this vehicle or excuse me, this charger is going to be outside, you may want to consider NEMA four. And honestly, the price difference between the chargers is not that much. If there's any difference at all, you would find NEMA four enclosures at places like breweries, dairies, anywhere where employers are going to be washing down equipment, slaughterhouses, for instance. And the other variant of the NEMA 4 is the NEMA 4X, which is the same as the NEMA 4, but it does, again, because it's got the X, the name, protects against corrosion. So armed with that information, are we going to go with a NEMA 3 or a NEMA 4 enclosure? For me, because the price difference isn't all that much, I would go with the NEMA 4 because here in Arizona, it doesn't rain very often. But when it does, it rains a lot and it comes down hard and it floods fast. So I would want that extra protection. But this is going to depend on where you live. Like if you live in San Diego or if you live in in the L.A. area, Southern California, it's maybe not as big of an issue for you. And you can go with the NEMA 3. And I don't know if I was clear enough. The, the NEMA ratings are for 
the actual case of the charger. So the outside is what protects it. I don't know if I was clear on that. So hopefully I was. Now we have a better idea of what we're looking for in terms of a charger that's going to fit our needs and where we're going to install it. Next, we need to decide, are we going to hardwire this charger in or are we going to plug it into an outlet? And this doesn't matter if it's indoors or outdoors at this point. We just need to make a decision. Is this something we want to hardwire or is this something that we're just going to plug it in like you would plug in, you know, your toaster, for instance, except for this is a really powerful toaster. I mentioned this before in, in, in the previous episode. But if you already have a 240 volt or the equivalent of, you know, something close to that in your garage or where you're going to install your charger, you're actually in pretty good shape. It could save you some money if you went with a level two plug in charger because you don't need to add anything extra to your electrical box. You don't need to hire an electrician to come in. All you need to do is plug that in and mount it on the wall and you are set. But if you want to hardwire this in, In most situations, you're going to want a qualified electrician to do this for you. So let's talk about the advantages and disadvantages of hardwiring the charger versus plugging it in. If you hardwire the charger, you can actually get more amps. On a 240-volt outlet, it'll only deliver a maximum of 40 amps. So that's if you want a 48-amp connection, you're not going to get that with a plug-in charger you're going to have to go hardwired the advantage of the plug-in charger of course is if you're if you sell your house and you move somewhere else you can take the charger with you or if you're renting you don't have to leave the charger or pay an an electrician to come and uninstall the charger you can just you know disconnect it from the outlet take it off the wall and take it with you so that's a that's an advantage of plug-in versus uh, hardwired where it's it's more permanent um, you may or may not be able to convince your landlord if you're a renter to, you know, pay for this for you, but because it can be very expensive, it's unlikely. Another thing to consider is do you want a dumb charger or do you want a smart charger? So if you want a dumb charger, all that thing, all the charger is going to do is, is charge right? It's not going to tell you anything about what it's doing. It's just going to charge. And that's fine because some cars will actually give you a lot of the same information that a smart charger will give you with a, with a little bit of a difference. So in the fire service, we have something called friction loss and you know, this is hydraulics in general. So friction loss is not just, it's, it's not just in the fire service, but specifically for my example, when I am pumping a hose, so when I'm delivering water through that hose um, to the people at the end of the nozzle, um, the water pressure starts at a certain PSI. Let's say it's 100 PSI. And by the time it goes 200 feet, it might be down to 85 PSI. So I'm losing a little bit of pressure as through friction loss as the water is pushed through the hose. Electricity works, and this is oversimplification, electricity works in a similar way. So if from the the power that I'm drawing from the electrical box that is going through the charger and then going to the car, I'm losing a little bit of um, power as, as uh, as that power travels through that path, right? 
Um, it may not be a lot, but if you're somebody who wants all of the data, then it's you're not going to get it. You're only going to get portions of the data. Now, if you go with a smart charger and you are a data-driven individual or a married couple who spent their entire careers as engineers and they share the same birthday, this would be like Christmas every day because you're going to get a vast amount, amount of data to analyze. If, if you're like me and data is merely interesting because you don't have the brain capacity to sort data, then you get the cool new shiny thing. You get that shiny little bobble. I I like looking at my how much solar or how much energy my solar panels generate. But in the end, I don't I don't I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's neat. And then I forget about it until I look at it the next time. Data is not my thing. But I do love the ability to have reminders as to when to plug in my car. You can schedule when you want your car to charge. So if you know you don't want it to charge during the peak time when you're going to pay the most amount for electricity, then it will go ahead and it will, it will charge when you tell it. Say for me after eight o'clock, I can, I can charge and I'm paying the lower rates. Or if I want to charge in the daytime, I can do that, but I just don't want to charge between two and eight because that's when it's really going to cost me. Right. So that's really nice. Um, again, a lot of this information is, um, available through your car, but, I don't know. It, there's the price range. The price difference is not that much. So I don't know why you just wouldn't go with a smart charger. Some power utilities will actually give you a little bit of a break on when you charge your car price wise, if you allow them to control when they charge your car. So to most people, like just, just the general thought of the utility, uh, deciding when you can charge your car is, is kind of disgusting. <laughs> And it was to me when I first kind of read about this, I was like, no, because you know what? I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm not going to have a charge. But here's the argument that was posed in the article that I read. Most people don't empty out their car in the entire day. They don't drive. Let's say you have a 300 mile range vehicle. They're not driving 300 miles that day. They're maybe driving 40 to 80 miles. So really all you need to recover is that 40 to 80 miles when you plug your car in, when you get home at the end of the day. So in that instance, if at midnight, for some reason, the grid is getting hammered, the power company can say, okay, we're going to shut off all these people's chargers for now. And then in an hour and a half, we're going to turn their chargers on and then we're going to shut all these other people's chargers off. And when you wake up in the morning, you are going to have a charged car. You're going to have any idea what happened. You're just going to wake up in the morning, you're going to go and your your car is going to be there it's going to be charged. So it might be something to consider, especially since um, these are called demand response programs. If you participate, again, you might get discounts uh, depending on the utility. I don't know. It's, it's, it's something to consider. Another advantage of smart chargers is that you can monitor the charging session. Now, this is cool if, if you're really obsessive about things, and it can be cool, I guess, or it could be maddening depending on how obsessive you are about it. But one of the things that I think is neat is maybe you get home and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to charge the car from 9 PM to 4 AM. Right. But then you get a friend. They're like, Hey, I'm at the bar. Why don't you come see me? Let's go hang out. And you're like, okay, cool. I got to take a shower. Well, you if it's 7 PM, 
and you need a little bit of charge, you can get on your app and you can say, hey, start charging the car. You go, you take a shower, you get ready to go, you, you know, you're clean, you smell nice. Uh, during that time, the 20 or 30 minutes it took you to get ready, your car is charging. And then if you were a two EV household, you can have two chargers set up, but it will share power. So let's pretend that um, you have one car plugged in and it's getting all the power and your partner gets home and they plug their vehicle in instead of it splitting once the first car is done charging, then the second car gets all the power. And I'm going to call this feature the relationship saver for obvious reasons. Another good reason to have a smart charger is you're going to get over-the-air updates. So as time goes on, your charger will get smarter and then, you know, you'll get more features, which is pretty cool. Um, some smart chargers if your vehicle is compatible, will allow you to power your home in the event of emergency. So you can use your vehicle as a backup battery. The Ford Pro Charger that came with Chris Ashley's uh, F-150, that charger will allow you to do that, or he can do that if he wants to. The downside of this, if, if you want to call it a downside, is if you have this F-150 Lightning and this Ford Pro Charger, that's not enough to just power your home. You still need to pay the $3,200 for the extra bit of equipment to make that work. And that doesn't include installation. So you maybe you're looking at, you know, I don't know, four or $5,000 to get that done. Now, the first time the power goes out for more than a minute, the first time the power goes out in the summertime or in the wintertime, and you have power because you can connect it to your vehicle, um, you don't really care how much money you paid. At that moment, twice the price would have been worth it not to be without power. So now we are getting to what does it cost to install the charger? Well, if you go, if you go online and you look at what it costs to install a charger, you get it varies. There's no hard numbers. It varies. So I've heard uh, uh, in one instance I read where somebody had to upgrade their electrical panel and it costs $3,000 to install their charger. I, that's probably on the high end, but depending on how many amps your panel can deliver, like if it's around 100 or so, you're, you're probably going to have to upgrade your panel. If it's around 200, depending on what you got going on in your house, you're probably okay. So um, this is why you honestly need a licensed electrician. I happen to be the son of an electrician and all of the years that I worked with my dad, I am only qualified to change outlets out and crawl underneath houses and run wire. That's the only thing I'm qualified for. And I worked with my dad for 10 plus years. Oh, you know what? I should mention this. Um, check with your local state, city, utility, county for incentives. So you actually might save some money on the charger the installation or both. So my utility company, SRP, will give me a discount on the chargers if I buy it from their website. So I have a couple of examples. The Juicebox 32 amp charger, if I was to buy that on Amazon, it would cost me $669. But if I bought it through the SRP marketplace, it's $369. So a pretty good discount. 
If I wanted to buy the 40 amp version, it's $399, still cheaper than the $669 for the 32 amp that you find on Amazon. Also, another thing you might want to do is keep an eye out for sales. So just like anything else, chargers can go on sale around major holidays unless you want a Tesla charger and then no deal for you because they don't go on sale. But just kind of check out uh, what's available in your area because you might have an incentive that will help you upgrade your panel. You might have an incentive that will help with the install if it's not a major install. Or, you know, you can buy a charger at a relatively decent price from your utility. So just something to think about. So I mentioned before that anything above 40 amps is going to cost you more because it requires a heavier uh, gauge wire and things need to be beefed up a little bit more. Again, I'm not an electrician, but I thought I would give you a chart that I found on ChargePoint's website, and it tells you based on the amps that are that, that's coming from the charger how many miles of range per hour you'll get. So let's start with the low one: 16 amps, you'll get 12 miles of range. 24 amps, you'll get 18 miles of range. 32 amps, you'll get 25 miles of range. Now we're up to 40 amps. With 40 amps, you're only going to get 30 miles of range per hour. Now we know that anything over 40 amps is going to cost us quite a bit more money. So 48 amps, we're going to get six additional miles per hour of range. So we'll get 36. Now, if you go with the 50 amp, you're going to get 37 miles of range per hour. Again, I got this off of Charge Charge Points website. I'll put it in the link in the show notes if you want to do your own research. But yeah, there's kind of, after 40 amps, there's not a whole lot of reason. And maybe you can even argue 32 amps. There's not a whole lot of reason to go much bigger than that. Let's say we buy a, a bigger charger than we need. We're going to say we're going to go with the 48 amp charger, but our vehicle can't take that much power. What happens? Are we going to burn up our vehicle? No, the onboard charger, the actual charger of the vehicle is going to step that down to something that it can, it can accept. So it doesn't damage your vehicle. Also the person who installs your charger there, when you, when you set your charger up, you tell it how many amps you're getting from the, the electrical panel. So, um, you're not going to set it for 50 amps. You're not going to get 50 amps anyway. You're only going to get 30 amps, but, um, or 32 amps. But if your vehicle is, if you have a 32 amp charger, vehicle can accept all that, all the, the power, the kilowatts that's coming through, then the onboard charger will step that down. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, and I know I switched from amps to kilowatts. The onboard chargers, they're rated for a certain amount of kilowatts, so that's complicated. Like the Ionic 5 is able to accept 10.9 kilowatts. Just an example, a 40-amp charger will deliver you just over 9 kilowatts. So just another reason why you are fine having a 40 amp charger. All right. Hopefully that wasn't too confusing because right now I feel a little confused. 
Um, if you buy an EV that has a bigger battery, I've read some articles on where it might make sense to have a 48 or 50 amp charger that might come in handy to help you charge a little bit faster because with that bigger battery, um, that initial push of power um, before it kind of hits that curve, before it starts slowing down, will be there's more headroom for that. But, you know, I don't know that to be true or not true because, quite frankly, I am um, not an EV owner or an electrician or an engineer or a smart person. Kind of got off the rails a little bit. Let's go back to the install. You might be looking at a price of a few hundred to a few thousand dollars for installing it. The install price isn't the same for everyone, and it's going to change based on where you live, what's going on in the world, and a bunch of other stuff. And hopefully you find somebody that's credible. If you live in older, an older home like I do, you may have to upgrade your electrical panel. Um, you know, how, how far away from the electric panel you're putting the charger or you're installing the charger might make a difference because if it's, you know, if the electric panels on one side of the garage and you're putting on the other side of the garage, the charger on the other side of the garage, then you're going to run into some problems not problems. You're going to run into some extra costs because they got to run conduit and they got to run the wire from one end of the building or one end of the garage to the other. So what I'm poorly trying to explain to you is that the price varies and it's really hard to, to, to nail it down. Sorry. All right. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but my lack of sophistication when it comes to knowing anything about electricity is, I'm very self-conscious about it. Uh, I'm not a fake it until you make it guy. I must stumble and show everybody how dumb you are kind of a guy. But anyway, uh, let's move on to apartment complexes. And this is the last part of our series here. Apartment complexes, condos, townhouses, these are kind of complicated, right? Some condos, like I, I rented an Airbnb in a condo in San Diego, and they had... a quite a few, maybe 10 or 15 chargers available for the tenants. Uh, you know, the parking garage where the chargers were in were like, it was like a five story parking garage. So there was a lot of tenants in this condo. Uh, I don't know if 10 is a lot or a little bit at that time. This was back in 2020, right before the pandemic blew up. Um, but you know, you can, you can definitely find an apartment condo or, townhouse that offers, I'm just going to call them apartments for simplicity, that offers some type of charging. Not all of them, but some of them. One of the things that I found when I was driving around Sierra's car is I would open up the app PlugShare and I would see all of these charge point locations. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to go charge this vehicle. It, well, it turns out a lot of these charge point chargers that were on the PlugShare app that they were actually inside the property of an apartment complex um, or apartment complexes. And you will get in trouble and you can be towed if you illegally make access into the apartment and you charge your car because I looked it up. But if you are a, if you live in that apartment, this is a good solution. The downside is, I guess the property owners, from what I understand, set the price of what they want to charge. So it can vary wildly uh, how much you're going to pay at these charge point chargers that are at these complexes. 
And depending on your area, you might not have any charge point chargers. So what do you do? Well, there's apps, like I said, like PlugShare. Um, there's Chargeware. And there's another one that has a charge in it. And I can't find, I can't remember what the app is called. The point is there are apps out there that will help you find a, a, a charger so you can charge your vehicle. Which maybe isn't perfect if you want to be able to, you know, live in an apartment, a townhouse or a condo and charge your vehicle. So that, that's kind of problematic. So your choices are to, you know, try and, like I said before, run like a, an extension line out from your dryer connect, uh, outlet or from a 120 outlet to your vehicle and charge that way. Or you're going to need to go to some charging networks. Um, like Electrify America has consistent pricing, EVgo. If you own a Tesla, you can go to the Tesla charging stations. I guess they're called superchargers, if I want to sound sophisticated. If you're lucky, you live next to a DC fast charger. This is probably the most convenient way for you to charge if you're living in an apartment and you don't have your own charger. You can go to Whole Foods and charge while you go eat Whole Foods pizza. Um, there's lots of options and I think some of these are obvious at this point. So I'm going to stop, you know, beating this dead horse, but you have charge point, electrify America blinks, EV go and the Tesla supercharger network where you can actually charge your vehicle if you want. But one of the things that I found that was the coolest out of all of the research that I did and the thing that I was actually most excited about is that some States have right to charge laws. Now, I, I suggest you go look this up for your state. It doesn't look like Arizona has a right to charge law, but California does. Maryland does. Those are the two states that I checked. But a broad overview of this is that HOAs or um, apartment management, if they're over a certain size, and I think it's six apartments in California, they can't deny you a charger. You have to pay for it, but they can't say, no, you can't have this charger because some of these states, like I said, you have the right to charge your vehicle where you live. So if you live in an apartment complex with six or more apartments, you can say, hey, look, I want to install this charger. They say, okay. They Well, they might not say, okay, they might fight you. But if you pay for it in these specific states, and California is one of these states, if you pay for it, they have to let you do it. Um, and I'm sure there's, there's a lot more that goes into that than what I'm just saying here. It's probably not that easy, but you have some firepower behind you when you have, to, when you want to go in and argue this. The downside, if you're charging or excuse me, the downside, if you, you're living in an apartment is when you leave, you just paid a bunch of money for the infrastructure to be put in for the next person who moves into your apartment and gets your assigned spot. That's the downside. But, uh, in, in these cases, they can't keep you from doing it. Same thing with a condo, same thing with you. If you live in a townhouse, when Chris was on last, uh, two episodes ago now, he was mentioning, cause he lives in a townhouse. He was mentioning that when he talked to the, the, the person at the HOA, he was all ready to be, uh, met with roadblocks from the HOA. And basically they sent it to the board. The board said yes. And then the attorney drew up an agreement and it was like easy. And Chris was really surprised how easy it was. Well, like I said, I was doing research for this show and I found these right to charge laws. And I was like, oh, I wonder if Maryland has a right to charge law. 
Turns out, like I said, they do. So I, 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 I messaged Chris and I'm like, Hey, did you know that Maryland has these right to charge laws? And he's like, actually, I found out yesterday from the cashier at the barbecue store that I go to. I was like, how, how random. And also that cashier is awesome. And, uh, she should get a tip for knowing that. But yeah, uh, I think that's the most powerful thing you have on your side. If you live in an apartment condo or, um, townhouse, just because everything else that you're just kind of up to the whim of whoever's running the HOA or the apartment complex. So yeah, well, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. When I wrote this, uh, these two episodes out, I thought based on the information that I have and everything, I thought I was going to have maybe at most 20 minutes. And that was for both shows, like 10 minutes for the first episode and 10 minutes for the second episode. And it turns out, um, we're almost rocking an hour here, uh, between the two. So I realized that, uh, Maybe I went through this kind of fast and I didn't fully explain things uh, in a way that was sufficient. If if I didn't and you have questions, please email me, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital. You can also DM me on Twitter at 918digital. I tried very hard because you can, man, you could jump in way into the weeds on this. I had no idea how far uh, into the weeds you could get when it comes to installing a home charger. I just thought you picked one out, you paid somebody to put it on your wall and you're done. But no, there is a lot to it. I mean, you can still do that, but, um, it is a little bit more difficult or excuse me. It's a little more complicated than it seems. So, uh, I hope you learned something. I learned a ton doing this. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope everybody has a wonderful week next week. I will be live back doing the news. And uh, I'm sure at this point, because I recorded three podcasts today, including this one, I'm sure at this point uh, in my vacation, I will be missing you and looking forward to coming back and chatting about the news and whatever crazy thing Elon did. I hope you all have a wonderful week and I will talk to you for real next Friday. Oh, you know what? Real quick, I just realized as I was naming this episode, this is episode 300 of the Kilowatt Podcast, 300 episodes. Exciting. I probably should have put this at the beginning of the show, but I don't know, hardcore, hard, people who love this show will hear this message. All right. I'm going to leave now. Awkward. I make everything awkward. I'm so sorry. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.